Hello everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we're a couple of Wall Street professionals who have gone underground to be in a position to give you our unvarnished and candid views each week of a handful of Value Line's weekly stock picks. This week we're going to review the April 28th edition 2006 of Value Line and uh, we've gone through there and tried to pick out a couple we think are uh, worth spending some time on. Uh, we do have a few disclosures however, don't you think Vern? We should have a few? Uh, <coughs> disclose our disclosures please. Well, uh, first of all we are for entertainment purposes only and if, even if we're only entertaining ourselves, uh, you know, we got to say that. In fact, I think frequently <laughs> probably, we are. That's probably very true. <laughs> and we may own these stocks. Uh, we are trying to own all of them, and we don't quite succeed, but we may own any of them. And we also, uh, you know, we may get some of this advice wrong, but we are trying our hardest, ladies and gentlemen, to get these stock picks right. We take it pretty seriously. And we do have the advantage of having been uh, paid for uh, a number of years to yeah, actually do this professionally. Yeah, we are professionals, so, uh, and uh, that's why we've taken on secret identities. We'd like to think that, uh, you know, we know something about this. Now, you can check out more about us at www.thevalueguys.com. Uh, let's turn to this week. <clears throat> you know, Value Line is, uh, you know, like a lot now, talking about uh, maybe some kind of slowdown. Home home building is slowing down. This is in their selection and opinion section. Interest rates appear to be moving a little higher. Oh, no. And uh, the stock market, however, continues to work its way higher. I think if you've listened to this show, you recognize, ladies and gentlemen, that we can't predict interest rates that well. I don't think Value Line can, but I'd note that the biggest group of the wealthiest people in history now have a lot of cash. That's the elderly. They're living longer. Uh, they own their homes. And so when interest rates go up and money market rates go up, they just move all their money over there. It provides a counterbalance to the demand for money. So I personally am not that worried about interest rates. So when people are, I think that uh, you can take advantage of that. It may be that the stock market could stay healthy for a long time. Interest rates really relative to long-term it's uh, called charts the or, it was called the baby boom. Yeah, baby boom, all. exactly. So, uh, you know, we, we think you can still pick good stocks. The conclusion is, by value line, that the market's going to be kind of flattish, and it's a perfect environment for stock pickers. So we encourage you to buy a subscription to value line, do what we do, look through here and look for uh, some, some good uh, value. Uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've got a big week this week, a lot of machinery companies. and industrial stocks. And uh, Vern is uh, particularly astute in this area and uh, has a lot of names there. Uh, I've got a few I'm going to go through later, so I'd encourage you to stick around for the rest of the show. After Vern, we got uh, Matthews International, great little bronze company, SPX, uh, in a tr under a transformational... Uh, a year this year, industrial technology. Merrill Lynch is a good pick so we're going to talk some, about. Uh, brokerage yeah, we're at brokerage, a little machinery, a little eclectic. But uh, first, I'd like to introduce my colleague, uh, Vern Value. Thanks, Val. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look at machinery because uh, this is, uh, you know, as it uh, uh, sometimes may go unappreciated on Main Street. On Wall Street, your expertise can often be, uh, the degree of your expertise can often be a function of how recently you've done some work on a particular sector. And um, We have been doing some work in machinery recently. Uh, these stocks are up huge. Um, question is, uh, are we in the early innings or the late innings? And uh, Or the mid innings. Uh, I'm <laughs> could be the mid, early, <laughs> late innings. Are we um, up or are we in the field? I, I'm I don't not, know. And, I, and I'm sure I don't know where we are innings-wise, but... Um, um, I, you know, it's if there is a uh, if there is a case for uh, early innings, 
uh, why not try to find some you know good stocks in here that might not have uh, gone up as much as some of the uh, bellwethers and well isn't it true that the US is still you know uh, the best at industrial machinery don't we make the best stuff I mean we have three percent of the world's population we make about 25 percent of the stuff I mean figure it out everybody don't don't we do a good job well, in there's an area? element of that I think is probably right but like every uh, every business uh, uh, more capacity uh, is either moving overseas or new capacity is being created there maybe not actually shutting anything down here but uh, um, you know, the, most of the manufacturing world is moving towards emerging emerging economies, and particularly Asia, because in Asia, um, governments and uh, the people, and um, you know, with some good help of some decent liberal democracy, uh, seem to have gotten things largely right, um, and yeah. and and have the key that unfortunately um, our good uh, friends in Latin America haven't seemed to be able to figure out. Uh, with a couple notable exceptions, uh, Brazil has turned into quite an engine of growth. But, uh, um, you know, it, yeah, we're still the best at this stuff. Um, the, uh, the Japanese didn't take over the entire industry and the entire world like was uh, so feared at one Ten time. Ten years of negative GDP and, and growth nor, hurts nor will that. The, and the Chinese won't take over either because, uh, you know, we, we still command the intellectual property. We're the ones that know how to invent new stuff. We're the ones that have been talking to the customer for uh, 50 years developing new stuff all that time rather than just showing up now and trying to copy Isn't some the of the Chinese past. economy about 3% of the size of the uh, U.S. economy? Well, but the, the important thing to recognize is that if uh, global GDP growth is uh, pick some number, maybe uh, four per three, four percent, or something like that, China directly and indirectly probably could be you know generating half that growth. Well, aren't so. they just making up some of those numbers? Let's face it, who knows what's going on? They can't heat their homes, ladies and no, gentlemen. There's actually an army of uh, of poll takers and census <laughs> exactly. workers out there interviewing the entrepreneur of How every business. How many eggs business. did you sell this week? And I'm telling you, the bazaars in Turkey, Indonesia, you need a whole army of people to survey those people. Uh, anyway, anyway. Uh, enough uh, frivolity. Um, there's uh, a lot of highly ranked stocks in the machinery industry according to Value Line. Um, you know, we went through all of the uh, uh, the number one rated names and we're not going to talk about uh, Dover and Gardner Denver. These are both uh, sort of closet oil and gas plays. Uh, we're not going to talk about JLG or United Rentals. These are both uh, uh, leveraged to uh, um, non-residential building construction and so uh, they've gotten a lot of play for those uh, themes stocks are up huge we're looking for some stuff that uh, may have been a little uh, undiscovered so far uh, there's one name in here that we think uh, uh, value lines got right and the timeliness looks right to us as well they just raised their rating to a one uh, within the last month the stocks kdon Symbols KDN, it's on page 1353 in this week's value line. 1.2 billion market cap company that makes a bunch of, um, uh, basically the description says custom engineered metal stuff for a whole bunch of different markets. But the most interesting one from our vantage point is bearings, the first product mentioned. Uh, anybody that uh, follows uh, or has uh, looked at investing in the machinery industry knows that uh, certain component shortages uh, have been uh, problems for uh, for manufacturers been trying to raise their production rates and uh, bearings has been one of those uh, prices probably going up I suppose oh the price has been going up huge because of shortages of capacity and Kadon particularly has been benefiting because they apparently are one of the uh, few companies that uh, make or have expertise in the right size of bearing for these giant wind turbines in that market alternative power of course 
is on fire, and that's uh, not just a U.S. phenomenon. Although uh, they're trying to make a, you know invest a lot here, and uh, will if uh, Teddy Kennedy gets out of their way in Massachusetts, that for guy. example. Come on, Ted. Um, the stock's a little uh, looks a little pricey at uh, about a twenty percent premium to the market. The PE is twenty three, but uh, I think I can uh, persuade you that's not the case. Hmm. Um, here again, as it often is, balance sheet sort of holds the key. I'm looking at three hundred twenty million of cash at the end of uh, two thousand five. I'm looking at total debt outstanding of two hundred million. So I, you know, I don't know. It's a global business. Maybe they need the twenty million to to run it for day-to-day -day liquidity, but there's a hundred million of excess cash there. Something, um, you know, it's 25, uh, 28 million uh, outstanding shares. So I, first thing I'm going to do is take three bucks off the stock price and uh, with earnings per share at about $2, um, it knocks a point and a half off my multiple and gets rid of most of my premium to the market. Um, but um, it, and, and the, they're not 39% Cap, uh, they're showing 39% debt to cap here, which might seem a little high, but uh, if you look at the details here, you see reference to a 4% contingent, it says CV period, that means convertible, uh, subordinated notes. Uh, this debt actually isn't going to be retired because uh, there it's I mean because it's uh, really convertible into equity and right now just has a 4% coupon so you couldn't have cheaper debt so as uh, as uh, value line says they're probably going to spend the money to make acquisitions well that's that are, already priced like their equity anyway it's 25 times uh, exactly <clears throat> um, uh, value line here points out they're probably going to you know be doing some acquisitions so I either have um, you know, four dollars of excess cash, or I have you know eight dollars of excess cash because the debt really is equity, uh, or I'm going to spend three hundred twenty million to buy businesses. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the sales of this company are only four hundred million dollars. So, <laughs> I mean, they're talking about you're talking about being able to do some pretty massive growth here with this kind of cash available. So, so the question is, are they going to do accretive deals, or will they do well, like dilute? I guess, but uh, I, you know, you, with this kind of overcapitalization, you got to wonder if you can't, couldn't see them uh, um, step up the pace at which they're returning cash to shareholders as well. Anyway, they're rich, and there's a lot of options here, and they've got a good growth driver. The stock is actually cheap, not expensive. Um, we'd we'd recommend this one. Um, so another one here that Value Line ranks as a two, also a recent increase in their rating. We agree with them here as well. Uh, 1.3 billion market cap actuant. Uh, the symbol's ATU. Um, this as well shows a small premium to market multiple, about 15%. There's no dividend here. Um, you look at the uh, capital structure, so it shows 60% debt to cap. But again, I've got 150 million in a 2%. Convertible senior sub note, uh, each convertible to this is another one of these contingent converts with uh, uh, a two percent coupon in this case. So um, again, overstated financial leverage. Um, I'm looking down here at earnings per share comparisons. Looks like they're about to get uh, very wide at 81 cents in each of the next couple of quarters, compared with year earlier numbers in the low mid 60s. So uh, earnings per share growth actually getting ready to accelerate. Um, Value line here talks about uh, core growth is supposed to benefit in the second half of the year, particularly. This is an August co uh, year company. This is a diversified manufacturing company, I guess is what you'd call it. It's not really a machinery company. They make uh, uh, industrial and electric tools 
uh, and they supply a bunch of uh, motion control systems to OEMs in a bunch of different industries. Gaining share, gaining market share. Um, half the company overseas, so good leverage to uh, improving uh, economies in Europe. You say, well, the you know the multiple is kind of high, Vern, but uh, look at my returns on capital, returns on uh, shareholders' equity. Um, very attractive. I'm looking at teens earnings growth. Um, you know, the cash flow multiple is a little higher than we'd like to pay. But when I read on Value Line's text here, it turns out the, com the company's in the midst of negotiating some significant restructuring steps in Europe where, since we've looked at the stock, we know they earn like next to nothing. So uh, there's definitely some upside to the numbers here, um, probably more in a uh, 2007 time frame. Um, the thing that's missing here from Value Line, the reason we're really highlighting it, even though it may not look all that cheap, is that uh, we're aware the company's announced a couple of significant acquisitions in the last couple of weeks. Um, not really uh -huh. factored into anything that uh, Value Line has here. I don't think the stock's up a lot from this $65 level that Value Line's showing. Um, I think I think earnings estimates are probably up a little bit. Um, two very nice looking businesses um, that together I think add about 5% to sales growth uh, for the company. Um, one of them provides a U.S. service network for a, uh, a new platform that has been created uh, in the last year in the energy patch. Um, and then they bought a uh, business that uh, makes concrete tensioning products that will fit really well with a high-profile business they have working on uh, um, uh, pre-stressed concrete bridge construction. Um, the multiples that were paid of revenue on these deals, we don't, we don't know what the earnings multiples were. They haven't disclosed those. Revenue multiples looked a little bit high. Uh, these guys are very disciplined with capital. Uh, they know that their business model depends on being in niches that support high margins. You see a very consistent operating margin history over the entire life of this co company, even though it's been an active acquisition acquisition vehicle um, and so you know we're, we're comfortable that the things they're buying are likely uh, higher margin businesses as well so ATU we like that one as well um, then uh, you know as we went through the rest of the you know ones and twos we didn't see anything we liked so we're gonna highlight quickly a couple of uh, three rated stocks that we actually think have some real interesting promise um, and they're both uh, the names of the companies are both hyphenated which is a key hmm. uh, metric for us uh, <laughs> we're always looking for uh, names like that Ingersoll Rand symbols IR and uh, SAR, Danfoss, I guess it's. Um, I never heard symbol of Symbol is SHS. Um, Ingersoll Rand is uh, like close to 15 billion market cap company. SAR Danfoss is like uh, 1 billion. Um, let's look at Ingersoll first. I got a 13 PE. I got a 30% discount to the market. I've got a respectable dividend yield. Um, is it the capital structure? No. 17% no. debt cap. A matter hmm. of fact, I got an awful lot of cash relative to my outstanding debt. Um, the uh, the company makes a variety of, uh, I mean, they got all these uh, segments. I don't know what all these products are, but I see climate control and security and industrial, and those things sound like uh, later cycle businesses to me. They look like um, they're pretty good at it, too. And the, the thing that I thought was interesting, and the reason I took a careful look at this name, is Value Line actually highlights it on the uh, front page of this week's issue as a uh, stock that has, uh, what do they say here? has succeeded in transforming itself from a cyclical company into a more diverse, diverse growth entity. Well, at a 30% huh. discount to the market, I don't see how that's priced into the stock. Is there any evidence that's true? Well, I'm looking at return on capital in the mid-teens, and it looks like the best they did was between 11 and 12% at the peak of the last cycle in the 90s. Um, uh, I guess it's the income tax rate issue, but 
Um, this is a company that moved to Bermuda, ladies and gentlemen. There's a, a permanent tax shield in place here. You see Value Line even shows the long-term tax rate at 18.5%, so that's not going away. It's 10 times cash flow. It looks like earnings per share growth about 15%. They've got a share buyback program in place. Uh, Value Line says they did uh, 15 bolt-on acquisitions last year, and they're going to spend more money this year than they did last year. And they're focused on growing China, India, Russia, and Czech Republic. I, I don't know what there is not to like here. This is a um, this is uh, I, and it's a mystery to me why Value Line rates it a three. Um, Sour Danfoss sort of similar. Uh, they raised their rating to a three in the last uh, month and a half. This company makes uh, a bunch of components that go in off highway mobile equipment. So. Maybe the market's a little worried about um, how hot those markets have been. Uh, it is about a market multiple, but it's got a very attractive 2.4% yield. There's not a lot of debt. Debt to capital is uh, 24%. I'm looking in the, you know, deep in the description, I see over half of sales is foreign. So good play on recovering Europe, I, I, I think, in this Danfoss business they say they uh, merged with five years ago. Um, big effort in Asia Pacific. And there's guess what? There's ongoing restructuring efforts here as well. You just so got to say that nowadays, though. Doesn't everybody <laughs> return on So do we. We have that up. going on. Um, they've got 20% earnings growth, and it's selling for six to seven times cash flow. So it huh. um, seems to me that um, um, that's a pretty attractive risk-reward picture. <clears throat> then I want to quickly uh, hit a, uh, a favorite little story uh, of mine, and uh, this is an effort on my part to try to keep you all out of something that uh, you might be tempted to go after. Uh, Briggs & Stratton is the stock. You're probably familiar with it. They put the engine in your lawnmower. The symbol's BGG, $1.7 market cap. It's a four by value line. Uh, they've got this right, folks. I mean, we, as you know, we always like to troll the fours and fives looking for better ideas there. Uh, and this one looks really cheap at, at a 12 PE and a big discount to the market, 2% yield. Reasonably unleveraged balance sheet, um, but I would tell you folks, this one's a value trap. Um, you know, watch out. Uh, return on capital is running in like 11, 12% range now. It was twice that the last cycle. Briggs & Stratton, world's largest manufacturer of gasoline engines for OEMs, lawnmowers, um, power generating equipment, pressure washers. And guess what, folks? I yeah, I mean everybody's heard of Briggs and Stratton, and yeah. we, as you know, we love valuable, uh, historical, long-term, uh, solid brands here on the Value Guys. And well, if they help you make the money, Briggs and Stratton brand is a great brand. Well, and it did help them make money back in the '90s, but management's got a little different strategy now, and it's here, folks. They acquired Generac Portable Products in 2001, Simplicity in 2004. Uh, folks, if you don't know what Simplicity is, it's a uh, lawnmower manufacturer, as is the Murray business, that the assets uh, that they bought in February of 2005. So they're forward integrating? They're forward integrating into their customers' markets, all, even though their brand and their market product has been so strong that they've been driving their competitor, Tecumseh Products, out of business, folks. Uh, symbol is T-E-C-U-A. It's got about a half a billion market cap. Um, similarly, kind of unleveraged balance sheet. Uh, value line says interest not earned. Oh, what's that all about? They must be losing money. Well, yeah, they put up huge losses 2005, $4 per share number. That's, uh, what, it's like $75 million. Um, but they are uh, struggling to turn this company around, apparently. Um, they've got a bunch of, I don't know who Alex Partners is, but 
They're in, uh, they're in helping them cut costs in the compressor and electrical segments. Uh, but the real action's taking place at the engine business, it says. And, you know, Value Line, I think, sometimes likes to uh, uh, squeeze in a little extra information on some of these names. And really looks to me like they squeezed a sentence in here down at the bottom of the first column, doesn't it? Lately, new business was one with MTD and Toro, um, other lawnmower manufacturers who are turning to Tecumseh instead of buying from Briggs & Stratton. As Johnny Carson used to say, hmm. Hmm. Uh, this is four to six times cash flow, depending on which number you believe from Value Line's estimations. But whether it's five or seven or eight, it's comparable to what it used to be when the company wasn't being pounded by Briggs and Stratton. It's about ten times earnings, maybe. I, the earnings is a guess, I guess. Um, the company, is their motor as good as the, the, uh, the Briggs and Stratton motor? Uh, probably not, but uh, nobody wants to use it, and their customers so are they've big. They've just got and, all their customers. Their customers angry are big at them and powerful now. companies, That's and they'll right. help Tecumseh spend stay, money to stay alive, stay in business. Right. Um, and it says here that they've got a pending sale of part of their business, a pump company, that's going to provide 120 million dollars, which pretty big number compared with total debt of 365 so financial risk is going down according to value line they think sort of a flat sales environment is reasonable over the next year um, this looks like a you know a reasonably um, not an uh, unintelligent risk to me or maybe uh, paired with Briggs and Stratton long to come to short Briggs um, so anyway that's what we've got here from the machinery uh, a lot of overpriced stocks in this group but we think we found um, some good ones that you know have real opportunity from here. And so now I want to turn it over to my compadre, Val Hughes. Get it. Hi, everybody. This is Val. And uh, like we do every week, we're just going to have a little beverage break right now. That's what they tell you for these things. Oh, Except, uh, yeah, we're, we're I'm out of, and I'm out of, I, my beverage is gone. I, I have beverage, though. Okay. Well, thanks for listening in. Uh, this week was kind of an eclectic week for me. I picked a little uh, you know, stocks from here and there. And let's just get right to it. Uh, I'm a little bit of a contrarian as usual. So this week, I, you know, if, if Value Line had it rated one or you know, I kind of passed on it, they, you know, maybe they have it under control. I looked among the threes, fours, and fives. And uh, uh, the first one I've got here is... Uh, a little uh, diversified manufacturer, SPX, ticker SPW. What's up with that? Yeah, I know a lot of people ask that. Well, this company used to be called Sealed Power, and then the W must have been... Uh, the W in power? Yeah, well, the SP, the P was power, oh, okay. and W was, I think, world. So they were Sealed so, Power world. They had a theme park. It was very exciting back then. <laughs> But, uh, no, these guys have always been diversified manufacturers. They've been known for making great tools. And, uh, you know, Value Line says they're a global multi-industry company that provides flow technology, test and measurement products and services, thermal equipment and services, industrial products and services. A lot of service. You always want to get the services in there if you're doing the products, so we get that. Uh, metal stuff, and we yeah. help you take care of it. Uh, fluid handling, metering, mixing, filtration, just a lot of stuff that's important to the world economy. Uh, they're, uh, they've got some transformational events going on uh, they've they've what have they done here they've uh, divested several non-core businesses in the last year they've reduced their debt by a, a 1.7 billion wow. they've bought 14.7 million shares that all gets my attention return on capital is going from 1% in 04 
to six, seven, seven and a half. I suspect this can get higher in at least the teens. The company seems to be on the right track for that. The stock's been flattish for many years, so this company's been left a little bit for dead. They're trading at about 11 times cash flow, and it looks like you have a bit of a call option on their ability to continue to drive improvements here. It's... Uh, it's industrial technology that uh, appears to be gaining share. Earnings next year are going to be up 20 to 25 percent. Uh, they continue their stock buyback. Uh, just like I think one of Vern's stocks, they have 570 million dollars in cash that uh, on 50 million shares. That's 10 bucks a share in cash. The stock is trading at 54, so that's you know kind of 44. Uh, it's at a 10% premium to the S&P, and, uh, you know, if this is a late-cycle company, as uh, Vern was talking about, which I believe it is, they've got 10% debt to cap. The next three or four oh, quarters... Yeah, nobody, nobody's going to buy any of that big stuff until they really need it, right? So that happens. Well, you know, and uh, as I think as demand, new plants, new as world demand continues to stretch on, more and more of this stuff's going to need to be replaced. The ROI on it for businesses and manufacturers remains high. So uh, that's one I'd be looking at. They rated three. I'm going to rate it uh, 1.4. So uh, I think it's a it's a buy. It's a way to get some industrial into your portfolio. Right now, the market probably, at least if you ask me, is uh, underestimating the underlying strength of the economy. Everybody expects us to go into a recession next quarter, and that's been going on for three years. So uh, most of the elements you see in the economy seem like they're sustainable right now. And of course, there's always a soft spot. Energy's high, and et cetera. But the consumer's strong. People have money to spend. Corporate America is the strongest it's been in history. You got, you know, democracy rising, et cetera. So uh, I think that's a good bet to, to play in that area. Uh, moving along, uh, let's see. Value Line covered the securities brokerage industry this week. Of course, we're in that industry. And uh, one of the so nice. We like to hear about it a well, lot. Well, you know, what have you. I mean, the nice thing, the reason I'm in it at all, ladies and gentlemen, because my mom wanted me to be an attorney, frankly. But the reason I'm in that is that uh, demographics are driving this industry. People have wealth, they need it managed. And that's a trend that's going to go on for quite some time. Um, there's a couple names in here I think are, are worth spending uh, you know a little time on. You got that wind at your back. The first one is one I'll just say I agree with uh, with Value Line. Merrill Lynch rated to you know you couldn't have a more blue blood company that in terms of what people on Wall Street or Main Street think about Wall Street. One of the nice things about their revenue stream, which is uh, seventy six dollars a share, so this at least projected next year, the stock's just a bit uh, above one times. Uh, revenues. It's trading at about a 15% discount to the market. And uh, it seems to me that, uh, uh, you know, with the demographics coming and their diversification on uh, on revenue, they've got 65% of their revenue, ladies and gentlemen, is in uh, interest income, which should continue to be stable. I know there's a lot of talk out there of uh, the flat yield curve not allowing banks to make much money. But in the case of uh, these guys, instead of you know borrowing short and lending long like they do at a bank, they're borrowing short and lending short. Uh, they've got a 4% return on capital, which is terrific for a bank. And their return on equity is uh, you know moving a bit higher. There have been some management changes there, probably you read about. Uh, they are uh, making some serious uh, efforts at cost reduction. They have been buying a little stock back. And they did something very interesting recently that sets them up a bit for the long term, and that is uh, they made a deal with BlackRock, 
uh, which is, uh, you know, the quite well-known uh, hedge fund business, and uh, they have swapped their investment management business for a 49.8% stake in uh, BlackRock. Now, uh, you know, that looks pretty attractive. For one thing, Merrill Lynch Asset Management, you know, never was uh, able to distinguish itself tremendously different from the Merrill Lynch broker down the street. So uh, that business, while it was successful over time, you know, there was some brand risk in that to the extent that if uh, uh, Wall Street gets tainted, uh, you know, the brand Merrill Lynch uh, also affects the money managers. So that's a good move on their part. BlackRock has some, you know, serious cachet, I think. And so uh, they'll own nearly half of that investment management company, which is pretty well diversified across uh, different asset classes. And I think we'll likely uh, uh, have an opportunity to at least grow with the market as the demographics take this forward. So that's Merrill Lynch. Uh, you know, I agree with Value Lines at two. I'd put that one away for the long term. Uh, then there's another one in this section, uh, Raymond James Financial, ticker RJF. Now, I haven't been in the business a long time. I'll tell you, this is a great regional brokerage firm. They, for years, ranked number one in research uh, calls in terms of having the, the most uh, accurate forecasts of the stock market and individual stocks. They have a brokerage network that now has, uh, let's see here, I should have... Where am I? Almost 5,000. Yeah, thank you. 5,000 retail financial advisors. Uh, that's a big number. Uh, these regional guys have been getting bought out, and, you know, this is one of the few left. In fact, if you look at the table of contents and value line, you know, I think uh, other than Leg Mason, which recently, you know, aligned itself with Citibank, if you get where I'm going here, Raymond James is, I think, frankly, potentially a, a takeout candidate. Now, the only thing that would prevent that is that uh, uh, management there really, you know, wants to stay independent, has built a great little business. They earn uh, pretty well, they're good... Probably, they're taking share from the, uh, uh, the big New York firms, right? They're taking share. You know, one of the things here, though, is that uh, if you look at uh, the breakout in revenue, 63% of their revenue, 66 last year, are commissions. And unfortunately, on Wall Street, that's the part of the income statement that's getting squished and you know ouch uh, my colleague and I are feeling that ourselves in our personal uh, lives and all but uh, you know commissions isn't the way to go as much as fees and that explains a minute ago I was talking about Merrill Lynch uh, you know now swapping into half of BlackRock they have an annuity of fees coming out of that so it's all about fees they don't have much of that but still they have an army of terrific salespeople that will uh, I think be attractive to uh, you know some other regional that might want to hook up who knows uh, AGS Edwards, uh, you know, Stiefel Nicholas, uh, you know, there, there's others around. I'm not an expert on oh, this industry. Somebody else who knows how to implement a fee-based uh, business model. Yeah, you know. What and, a great, you know, it's an unexplored opportunity. Right, exactly. And, and they've got great geography. So one of the things they bring to the party is that they happen to be headquartered in Florida, which has some of the best, you know, age wealth demographics uh, in America. So, uh, you know, they have it rated three. This is, I think, worth putting away. Now, here's a couple that are very interesting to me. Um, First, it's uh, a little company called Matthews International. You probably never heard of it. Ticker MATW. Um, it's uh, recently traded at $35. These guys, now according to Value Line, these guys are a manufacturer and marketer of principally custom made products hmm, that are used to identify people, places, products, and events. And I'm like, what, do they make name tags? Or? <laughs> they make signs. Yeah, signs. <laughs> it's a well, company. Uh, this company is has a, a, almost a, a monopoly on bronze 
uh, plaques and such, which of which the biggest use is in cemeteries on uh, on you know uh, graves. And uh, so it's, it is a sign. It's company. a sign company. <laughs> now they'll also tell you that they make the bronze signs for the Hall of Fame. And you know if there's some famous building in your town with a bronze sign on it, they probably oh, you're talking about these big things with the, yeah, the person's face. Exactly. They are the experts at this stuff, and it looks cool. One of the advantages for the cemetery industry is this stuff, you know, lasts into eternity, whereas uh, stone, you know, erodes. Not that the owner or buyer of the stone is going to see that, but, you know, and it's also very low maintenance. As cemeteries work to reduce costs, you know, if you can, if you can have these things flat to the ground, uh, you can mow the whole area without having to mow around these things and hand mow. Believe me, the economics of this are important to the sale. And, uh, you know, bronze is a lot uh, more expensive than some of the traditional, uh, you know, place markers. And so they earn about a 40% return on capital in this bronze business, which is uh, because, you know, you're not going to scrimp on the name tag, ladies and gentlemen, you know. <laughs> now, they have... Uh, they have some things that are working against them, like uh, cremations are rising as a percent of burials, and uh, you know, I guess the sign on a on a you know an urn is smaller, oh. so you sell by weight. But they're starting to make the whole urn and things like that. And uh, about three or four years ago, they bought York Casket. So not that they want to be in the casket business; they really are in the bronze business. But they bought that so they could you know market better to the funeral industry. And uh, this is just a great solid business. If you look at their earnings per share, ladies and gentlemen, they just go up every year. Now, their return on capital is not what it should be, and that's only because they're trying to disguise for everyone how great this bronze business is. So they keep acquiring things that really aren't very good and don't have very good returns. Well, that doesn't make me feel any better. Well, but they don't. They Listen, they do it. They buy things that are like risk-free. They earn low returns, but they're stable. And like this graphics business they have, 22% uh, of revenue. That's, you know, over time, maybe they'll improve the margins there. They put uh, a lot of professional imprints on uh, commercial products in the, you know, in the in the food industry and things like that. Uh, so they they do have some commercial business that, uh, but the profits aren't as good as this bronze business. I, I forget is bronze a metal or is it made out of copper? Uh, it's a it's a it's a combination of things, and they have their own secret formula. This bronze forge, which I visited uh, years ago, is like a secret place that uh you know has a secret formula so it's an it's an art it's uh it's well, what i'm getting at is you know you were you're from the middle that, ages you, you know out that their return on capital ought to be better i wonder if they've had some issues with materials costs because commodity prices are up well no the return the return on capital is getting uh, you know, Im impacted that's by their really by their buying. inability to ever buy something that's as good as the bronze, bronze business. business so you have this core cash flow out of bronze and uh, it's just a fabulous business. You know, Aerial Capital, the uh, uh, the great mutual fund company out there, owns about 11% of this. Newberger Berman owns 14%. T. Rowe owns 9 It's wow. a long-time value type of stock. It's about 11 times cash flow. And, uh, it's you about 20% off its high, 15 to 20%. Yeah, it, off it, its on high. a basic PE basis, it trades at uh, a little bit of a discount, about a 10% discount. It's, a good stock. it's just a solid put away stock. You never have to worry about it. Uh, 
Uh, I've met the CEO. He's a wonderful man. This company's been just run well forever. It's in Pittsburgh, and uh, you know if you you know it's a short drive, you can get over there and uh, and visit them. And, they, and the Pirates need anybody who will show up. Well, one of their games. So. Yeah, and they've made the bronze marker on the stadium, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, now there's another stock in here, Service Corp. Now Value Line rates this four. You know I like to troll for fours that are attractive. There's a little buzz around on Wall Street right now that the Service Corp is. Uh, attractive and uh, I'll just draw you to a couple of uh, things the world's largest funeral home operator they put together this collection in a roll-up that was you know 10 years ago this company and Lowen company competed to buy up a big chunk of the world's funeral business and they succeeded at, at doing that it turned out there weren't that many economies of scale uh, they they talked about synergies of sharing hearses, but uh, you know each each the, the thing about the funeral industry is it's the location that you need, and so and you the people, and so they never got much in terms of economies. And if you look at their returns on capital, you know they're very subpar. Uh, you know low single digits. There's no way to grow your way out of this. They already have the biggest share. It's hard to get more share. They have 43% debt to cap, and if you look at the chart here where they almost went off the chart. And oh, oh, that well, was. You, you don't see this a lot. They have fantastic operating margins and they have deplorable return on capital. Well, that's right. And it's not that levered. They just overpaid over many years for a lot of these businesses, and it's a bit of a commodity business. There's a guy in the same town who didn't get bought by Service Corp, who doesn't have a lot of debt, probably a you know hundred year family business, and uh, you know you cut price ten percent if you're the local guy, and you cream the profits of the Service Corp affiliate. And uh, I just think you know Value Line has this right. There's a buzz on the street about this one. I'd, uh, stay away. I'd stay away from that. Now, here's a couple things that I like to always do, things I don't know anything about but have an opinion about. How about that? <laughs> uh, now, uh, also in the securities section this week, Value Line takes a look, and we visited this a few weeks ago or a month, couple months ago, Chicago Mercantile, uh, ticker CME. They rate it 1%. It appears they've been right about it since it's about three bucks off its all-time high. But this chart Look looks that. like an escalator. Uh, revenues per share here. You'd be uncomfortable on an escalator that, I don't, that was I that mean, steep. Uh, it looks like an inclined elevator. You know, these guys started as the Chicago Butter and Egg Company back this in 1898. And I think that their current market cap, you could buy all the butter and eggs in the world. But, uh, you know, the market clearly believes that they're going to get involved in some products here. They're talking about some new global energy derivatives and 24-7 trading and things like that. But, you know, there's competitors to this. Uh, and, uh, you know, right now it's trading at over 10 times revenue. It's trading at, uh, I think, I can't even do the math here, but it's 40, 40 times, times cash, cash flow. flow. So they better really have some up their <laughs> sleeves uh, here. I just think that even if it's yeah, a great... like France. If it's, <laughs> if it's a great company, I mean, just the chart alone. I'm not a chartist. Charts don't just look like this forever. I would just back off. And I could be wrong on this, but it's a pretty I, I good... I need to call somebody. I yeah. need to get, get short this I would back away and just wait for this thing to go down. A lot of money. Buy it cheaper. It's probably a great company, but this valuation, I don't know how it can be sustainable. Now, here's a couple more things I don't know anything about. But, uh, of course, Wall Street, if you didn't own energy this last year, you were not a good money manager, and you were in danger of being fired, and you had to go to all your client meetings going, oh, I'm so sorry my returns are bad. You know, I didn't buy any energy. And they're like, well, 
why not? Well, it's because energy was at, you know, 20-year highs and value guys can't really buy things that are in a commodity upswing. And uh, But, you know, you can buy stuff when no one's interested. And the guys that did that with energy made a ton of money. And we owned a little energy, not enough. But, uh, you know, here's something that no one cares about right now unless you're really thirsty, and that's water. And so they do a little piece on water, and they go on to say it's not that attractive, ladies and gentlemen. Well, what if you're thirsty? <laughs> it's very attractive, and nobody cares about these things. The returns are very yeah, low. People have talked about water being the uh, the uh, the oil of the 21st century. Well, I just know that uh, the growth in Las Vegas, the growth in Southern California, the growth in Phoenix, the places that people want to live don't have any water, you know, I and they're going to have to get water. the country a lot, and you, you fly over the, uh, the western reservoirs and the big bodies of water like Lake Mead and Lake Powell, etc. These things are so far under their highs that they've changed the entire appearances of, uh, you know, huge sections of states. Well, it's just, you know, the, the stocks are kind of doing okay. I'm not saying they're super cheap. They're rated four. But, uh, you know, I think at, uh, in the case of, I'm looking at two specifically, Aqua Water, WTR rated Aqua four. Aqua America. Aqua, I'm sorry, Aqua America, WTR. Isn't that clever? Uh, nice ticker. Yeah, uh, probably a guy named America, yeah. a guy named Aqua. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it looks a little expensive, 1.8 times the market multiple, 1.7 uh, yield. Money? They, they earn a, you know, they earn a 12% return on uh, oh. equity. And uh, I just think there'll be a time when everyone's going, what the heck? I wish I owned water. You can buy it now when no one's looking, and it's uh, you know worth a look. I wouldn't buy that one, though. Uh, there's one, uh, California Water. Its returns are a little worse. It's just a 40% premium to the market multiple. You get a little bit of a yield, 2.6%. Uh, they have uh, you know a, a decent balance sheet, uh, I think. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm not... We got $275 million of total debt. I can't. You got uh, total uh, sale revenues are three forty-five. Value line moves everything around here on these of uh, utility. Oh, I see. It's forty-nine percent debt to cap, yeah. uh, and that's pretty reasonable for utility. I'm sure that they're regulated, but uh, anyway, it's just a contrarian play. Buy a little water for your grandson and put it away. And with that, I see the show has run very long this week, so if you've already skipped this part, you know, I understand. But thanks for listening in. This has been The Value Guys with a couple of ideas. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm still Vern Value. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up to you next week. If you need to learn more about us, which we hope you do, visit our website, www.thevalueguys.com. And with that, I'll say uh, have a good day. Off Edersane.